I was telling Katie, I was like, you're a hard act to follow, I tell you that much. Um, but they said, uh, they were like, you know what? You have a preach in you. That's what they told me. You have your own revelation, your own. And, and you know, but the downloads we received this weekend was just astronomical. I'm talking about serious. I mean, I could just lay here right now because of the presence, not because I'm tired. But um, there's been a uh, something God placed in my heart, and I know he shifted a little bit my message this morning. So uh, if, you, if you love the prophetic, then you say, wow, God shifted his message. That's amazing, awesome. So I want to I stay uh, basically close to what we had put in the bulletin, but I also want to share something with you from the heart, and um, I want to get real with you this morning. I want to I want to take off whatever religious mask that we put on sometimes when we walk up in in uh, atmospheres like this and we we tend to cover up everything that's going on and then we just sit here and act like everything's all right. But then when we leave the church we're still a hot mess. That's not that's not that's I don't believe that's what God called us for. I believe that when you encounter the presence of God and you encounter the power of God and you encounter the body of Christ, you ought to be transformed. Something in your life ought to change. You ought to leave the atmosphere going, man, something has changed. You ought to be excited about it the whole time. There ought to be a thumbtack put right in the middle of that thing going, look what happened this time. You ought to be able to go back 30 years from now and say, something happened right here. That's what I believe that every time. Because when I look at, when I look at the church and I look at the Bible and I see the body of Christ, I go, man, where are we right now? I seriously question where we are. So I'm going to get real with you this morning. Do not get offended. This is not a message of condemnation. I just laid that down right here. This is not a religious message. That, that spirit was cast out yesterday. So we ran the snakes out of here yesterday. Uh, <laughs> come on, Jesus. Let them burn and don't return. Remember that one? Praise God. <laughs> I was saying it in Spanish. Everyone was confused. I, I would sneak up on people. I did, I did what I call prank deliverance. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Go ahead and I'm going to copyright that and put that on YouTube. Prank deliverance is when you see somebody just sitting in the service there, and they're just not engaged at all. They're just like, I don't want to be here. And you just roll up next to them and go, fire, 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 fire. They're like, oh, hey. You just shake them up, you know. That's <laughs> You're sitting there like, hey, what? 
I did it to quite a few people yesterday, by the way. I don't know if they'll be back in church anytime soon, Pastor. <laughs> you know, we do it in Spanish and really confuse the enemy, you know. Fuego, fuego, fuego! They're like, ah! It's amazing. It's amazing. Ecclesiastes chapter chapter three. Ecclesiastes three. Now, I tell you what, I've really been engaged in warfare the past two months. It's been a serious warfare. It's been a time of for me reflection, prayer strategy, and seeking revelation. Because any time that you're going through a season in your life, it is not for you to be blaming Satan all the time, because Satan sometimes has nothing to do with it. Honestly. But there are demonic forces at play. Anytime you allow the enemy to open up any part of that season in your life and come in and convince you otherwise... Of who you are. So it's up to you to engage in strategic warfare. Ephesians 4.11 all the way to 13 says that God had constituted some to be. It says apostles, prophets, okay, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And the reason why God put those in the body is it says it very, very, very carefully. It says to equip the saints. To equip the saints. So our job as a team here is to equip you. So you leave here with equipment. If you leave without equipment, something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with us because we're not giving you the equipment necessary to take it. Now, if we give you the equipment and you leave it at your chair, that's up to you. And if the enemy comes at you and you're not prepared because you left your equipment, then there's something that needs to be said about that. You know, I'm tired of mediocre Christianity. I don't want mediocre Christianity. I don't want to show up to church once a week and punch in my good good deed time card and go about and live the whole week like hell. I don't want to be part of the worldly system that tells me that I can live and choose the way I want and then serve a great and mighty God who tells me I can't do that. I have to have a perspective of who I am and a heavenly perspective of who God says I am. If I don't have that, something's up. If I'm constantly walking in a spirit of condemnation, And the spirit of condemnation is both ways. It's me condemning myself and also me condemning people. Then something's wrong. If I'm constantly walking in a spirit of judgmental spirit and constantly judging what everybody says, what everybody does, something's off. Because when Jesus looks at the woman who, who, who had committed adultery, he looks in her eyes, he said, where are your accusers? They weren't there. They weren't there, not even in front of her. 
not even looking into her eyes, was there an accuser. The only accuser of the brethren, he has a name. His name is Satan. The Bible says, and Satan, the accuser of the brethren. I'm laying this down as a foundation because I really want us to understand this. I'm tired of mediocre Christianity. I don't want to just play church. I want to be the church. I don't want to have people come in, in my presence and see just a regular person. I want them to come and encounter Jesus. When they meet me, they eventually should meet the Holy Ghost. I do it Pentecostal style, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit should be the one that encounters people through me constantly. Do I have flaws? Yes. Am I perfect? No. But if the Holy Spirit, just like Katie was teaching, according to Ephesians 3.16, if he embodies me, if he's the one empowering me, if he's the one shaping me, if he's the one just totally inside of me, then I should be able to deal with all of my personality issues because Holy Spirit is in me. So as I walk this out through any season in time, I'm prepared. Amen? So it says here in Ecclesiastes 3.1 onwards, and I'm going to be focusing on just one scripture there. It says, to everything there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. Okay? For every matter and purpose under heaven. Now this is the Old Testament, of course. It says a time to... A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up. What is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to loose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love. And the only ones we're allowed to hate is the enemy. A time to hate. Listen to this. I want to focus on this. A time for war. And a time for peace. I want to speak about a little bit today. About a time for war. And I want to get our perspective in who we are as a church. As the church. As the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are a living organism. We're not a thing. We're a living organism. We have the heartbeat of God. That means we have the mouth of God. We have the, we have the, 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 the power of God as a church. So I want us to get these perspectives in, in check. Now, there were some things. I sat on the Graham Cook was it a week ago, two weeks ago, about three weeks ago, and um, I was bombarded. By the way, I had just finished burying my mom, and all of this stuff was just happening at once. And so I, I went, and I said, I'm just going to go and just soak and listen to, listen to a good, good message. And I just want to share a couple of things he said, okay? Now, just want us to understand this. He said this, prophecy is like a bow. The more you draw on the bow, the more powerful the release of the arrow. 
The same with prophecy. So the more you pull on it, the more powerful the prophetic release. Prophecy shapes our identity. David became kingly before he was a king. Change the way you see yourself and the way you speak about yourself. And you will be able to have strategy to move against the enemy. Listen to this. So I want us to see this. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. 2 Kings 6, 8. One of the things you must wage war on constantly is passivity. I'm going to repeat that. One of the things you must rage, wage war on constantly is passivity. Passivity will have you sitting in a pew for years. Stating that you're a Christian. Stating that you have God in you. But have no fruit. I'm going to repeat that. Stating you're a Christian, stating you have God in you, but there's no fruit. Now, Jesus was specific about fruit. Okay? Like I said, this is not a message of a condemnation. This is a message to revive you, to get you back into the place of your identity, because the enemy has lied to us for too long. So listen to this. Jesus said, if there is a tree without fruit, it'll be cut down and cast into what? The fire. We are supposed to have fruit. I'm going to say it again. We are supposed to have fruit. Galatians says that the fruit of the Spirit is this. You want to know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Read Galatians. I dare you. I dare you to open your Bible and read Galatians. Because then you're going to figure out that it's only not the fruit of the Spirit... There should be in your life, but there's some things that you're contending with, and it's called carnality. It's called the works of the flesh. And one of the things that I believe that the church in America today is battling is carnality. And that's not even a spirit you can cast out. I go to Africa, and there's manifestations. We went to a church of 10,000. There was about... about 300 manifestations there. They brought them all to the pulpit. We cast them out. Five minutes later, everybody was delivered. I'd rather deal with that than deal with a carnal Christian. Guarantee you that. Any day, any time, I'd rather deal with a demon head on. I've seen demons chatter. I've seen demons bark. I've seen demons levitate. I've seen demons talk. I've seen demons talk through people. I've seen demons manifest in such a way I had a demon almost pull. That's why I stopped wearing ties. Had a demon pull my tie down and try to bite off my face one time through a manifestation. through, And I, we had to cast it out. I'd rather confront that than a carnal Christian. Because Jesus had to face off with carnal religiosity. They were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. They were carnal religious spirit. That was walking around, and they were walking around trying to teach people how to be like them, walk like them, talk like them, and God did not want them to be like them. So we have to be careful with carnality. Because carnality will have you thinking about yourself. By the way, a selfish spirit is not something that comes from the flesh. It's a satanic spirit. Straight 
out of Satan's Bible. If you don't believe me, open up, go, go to the, if you cover yourself with the blood, go to the first church of Satan, open up the first pages of the Satanic Bible, and all it talks about is me, 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 I, 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 I am my own God, me, I want to satisfy me, 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 me. So when I hear a Christian saying, well, I don't like that church because they don't satisfy me, and I don't get anything out of it, and I, 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 that's, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to talk like Jesus, the way he did with Peter, because in the same mouth that Peter said that he was the Christ, it was the same mouth that he also said, you should not go to the cross. You should be selfish and just pass that up. And Jesus said, he rebuked him, and he said, what did he say to him? He said, you speak like men do, get thee behind me, Satan. It was a satanic spirit that's operating in the world today, and it's a selfish spirit, and everything it wants is for itself. Jesus was not selfish. Philippians 2 said he was selfless. He was selfless. Opposite of that spirit is selflessness. So when I'm selfless, I'm not trying to figure out whether or not what I'm serving for here in the church, what I'm doing here at the church, what I'm doing, I'm not trying to get myself involved and, and get myself uh, uh, accounted for. I want God. Everything I'm doing is for God. And so the selflessness automatically, it gives me currency in heaven. Love is currency in heaven. Selflessness is currency in heaven. Servitude is currency in heaven. Jesus became a servant. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. I'm just laying this down for you really quick because I really want us to understand where I'm coming from. And so I really, really, during this time, during this season in my life, I, I, I was just so upset with everything that was going on in my life. But at the same time, I said, I need to stop looking at, at everybody else and what's going on and what the enemy's doing and what... And I really need to start focusing about who am I and what I'm doing and how I'm standing in the middle of this thing. And then after I looked at myself, then I need to start, I need to start saying, you know what, God? Maybe I'm not selfless enough. Maybe I'm not doing what you called me to do enough. But also, maybe at this very moment in time, you're trying to grow me into someone that you called me who I am, and I have not yet seen it, so I'm still caught up in my own self, my own problems, and everything that's going around, instead of foreseeing who you are, how big you are, what you're doing in my life, and everything that you're doing for me, and my family, and everything that you have done. He's so amazing. God is big and amazing. And why he would interrupt me and do stuff like this and, and, and just begin to just speak to my life, that is amazing in itself. He has no business get, uh, getting off of his throne, doing everything that he does up there. In heaven. He has no business coming down here and speaking to us. But yet he does it because he loves us and he wants us to get to the place of our identity, of who we are, and see through his eyes. And so God began to show me through his eyes. And that's when I began to, did I cry? Yes. There was a time for crying. There was a time for sorrow? Yes. But I can't stay in sorrow. Because I trade in my sorrow for joy. So I do what Pastor Cindy says. I'm doing a, the trading in in the courts. So it's like the stock market. I'm trading in real quick. Here you go. Here you go. And I don't want, I don't want to keep on with sorrow and grief. I want to continue. Now there was a time for grief, but now I want to continue on because you know what? I cannot spend 40 days in the desert grieving over Moses and over things 
It's time for me to move on. What did I learn out of this experience? That my family needs the Lord. What did I learn out of this experience? That I need to be like Jesus to them. What did I learn out of this experience? That my love and my, my heart has to also go to them as much as it goes to the people that I minister to. Amen? So it, this is where the power of God really starts shifting your, shifting your perspective during a season in your life. And it's up to you. Now, now 2 Kings 6, verse 8. The Bible says, The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place over here, because the Syrians are coming down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him off, warned him of, and he said, Save himself there, not once or twice. Listen to this. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, there is a spy in the camp because every time we go to attack Israel, they know where we're coming from. And listen to this. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. You prophets are naughty. <laughs> Listen. The enemy should not be able to come at us sideways without us knowing first. We ought to know what Satan's talking about in his bedroom. That is the prophetic anointing that is on our lives. And he said... Go and spy and, 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 and where he is, that I may send forth and fetch him. And he was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And therefore he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host that came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant and the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now verse 17, I want us to get this. And Elisha prayed. He didn't just condemn him. He didn't just say, hey man, you don't get it. You lack discernment. You need to go pray for a little while. Go fast. You're in your flesh. He didn't do that. It is not our job to be pointing out people's carnality. It is our job to say where we're at. Where we're going. And then now, now it is our job to pray. Say with me, pray. So he prayed and said, Lord, I pray. Open his eyes. Open his eyes. So he could see what? Where he's at. That should be our prayer. Lord, open their eyes so they can see where they're at. They can see what's going on in the spiritual realm instead of be, being focused what's going on in the natural realm. Because when we're caught up in the natural realm, that's where our carnality feeds itself. But when you're caught up in the spiritual realm, that's where our spirit begins to understand who we are. And we begin to feed in the spirit and we get stronger and God begins to show us that there's more with us than there are with them. So he said, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. 
Why weren't they round about him? They were round about Elisha. Because Elisha was walking by faith, not by sight. Elisha was walking by faith and not by sight. So faith was the way that he is. He said, yo, we got to beat two to one. Remember, Satan fell with a third of the angels only. That means we got them beat two to one. They don't have the army that we have. Understand. So when you begin to see everything that's going on in America, in the world today, stop blaming Trump. Stop blaming people. Stop doing that. Get on your knees and say, Lord, open my eyes to see what's going on in the spiritual. And if you get your eyes open in the spiritual, then God will begin to shift the way you think, your perspective, and how you engage in warfare. Yeah. Amen? 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 And we were talking about the, uh, the last time that we did prayer here. By the way, we did a prayer, uh, 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 what is it, a week before they came to Richmond. So it was a week, you know what happened in Charlottesville, all this stuff about statues. So a week before uh, they were going to come and protest the statue over here, we got here in prayer. We were standing right here in a little circle. There was a couple of people here in prayer. And we began to say, you know what, let's send forth angels to war for us in Jesus' name. Because I believe we are commanders of the Lord's army. And that we begin to send forth the angels. And the angels are going to war for us against that principality of chaos that was trying to come over Richmond in this area. And we began to call. And we just begin to release and just begin to decree the word of the Lord out of our mouths. And literally, a thunderstorm happened. True or not true? Anyone was here? Thunderstorm happened. Boom, 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 that's what we heard. Boom, and I said, I see Satan falling down like lightning. Hallelujah. And anybody watches the news, what happened here that Saturday? Nothing. Come on now. Hallelujah. It had nothing to do. I love, I love the Richmond police. Love you so much. It had nothing to do with them. It was because the ones that were with them was more than the ones that, uh, that were trying to come in here. Because we decreed that in Richmond, in Jesus' name, we got, that is the power of the church. That is the authority we carry. And it was a small group of us here who began to pray. God is not calling us to stand out there with some protest signs and trying to be a part of the, the, the carnality that's going on. God is calling us to be in the chamber with him and begin to call it out and begin to release the host of heaven, begin to release against the word. The word of the Lord is more powerful and mighty. So when the enemy looks like it's compassed around, we have to start engaging the enemy the way the Lord says to engage him. Strategically. Amen. You are not foot soldiers. Foot soldiers get wounded. Foot soldiers get into the engagement of the battle and sometimes don't win. The armor that you're prepared to wear, and God showed me this the other day, the armor that you're wearing is a commander's suit. You're ready, standing there. The angel's host are behind you and you're like, bring it on. I'm releasing host from heaven because it is not I, battle is not mine's, but mine says the Lord. It is not yours, but mine says the Lord. So when I begin to release, I'm releasing a word and God is releasing the forces. 
<laughs> All Elisha had to do was release a word and God released the forces. The perspective was different. Here's one perspective. The perspective down here was we're all going to die. Carnality, mentality. This is why I believe everything that God has been speaking here at this church is so prophetic. Because as we begin, we were talking about the transformation of our hearts, our minds, everything. And, and you know, Rifle's been bringing about the mind. Pastor's been bringing about the spirit. We've all been touching up on different things. And God has just been trying to deal with our carnality. Well, guess what? God doesn't want to deal with your old man. Jesus dealt with that on the cross. You should have dealt with it and leave it right in the ground. You're the only one who could resurrect that thing from the tomb. Leave it there. Stop dwelling in the tombs. Get out. Walk in the authority that God has called you in. Put on your armor and be who God called you to be. You know, it hurts me to see Christians on Facebook talking about all these things that are going on in the political realm and not see and discern what God is doing. And so they're so caught up in everything. I remember during the election, I almost got caught up and I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And God has called me to go and deliver people from bitterness, from unforgiveness, because the church is not called to speak Against or do this or that. We're called to speak against sin, immorality, but we're called to stand for God and God alone. And we're called to pray for the people in, in, in public office. We're called to pray for them. Why are we called to pray? What is our prayer? God, open their eyes. What should be our prayer? God, let the scales fall off right now in Jesus' name. Let the scales fall off right here in, in VCU in Jesus' name. I decree it right now. Let the scales fall off in Jesus' name. Let there be an awakening. Let people whose eyes are closed be open. We are called to open up the blind eyes. Blind not only in one way, blind in the other way too, because they're blinded to their carnality and they don't see the spirituality. So the church is too caught up in what they see here in this natural realm. So there's a servant, Gehazi. There's a servant looking at everything that's going on here and he says, we're going to die. America is going to hell in a handbasket. The earth is shaking up. Jesus is coming soon, and here we go. We're sitting in church with our arms folded, waiting for Jesus to come pick us up. He said there would be earthquakes and natural disasters. Everything's happening. It's all lined up. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jesus. Everything that's happening is to awaken the body of Christ. It is the manifestation of the sons of God that need to come forth and begin to praise and begin to move and begin to save souls and begin to call out the armies of God. That is what God is shaking up the earth for. It is for the body to arise. There's so many hurricanes going on. God is, the earth is saying, wake up! We say, oh, wow, Jesus. God is shaking you up in your bed. He's, wake up! The earth itself is crying out that you walk on the water again, that you speak to the winds again, that you begin to move again, the way God called the body of Christ to move. The earth is calling out to us. It's moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. 
The body needs to manifest. God is coming for a glorious bride. Not a bride with her hair like this and one eye. One leg, one arm. We're too engaged in everything that's going on around us and not engaged in the spirit. We're too engaged in our own carnality, in our own selfishness, and not what's going on in the spirit. And therefore, we have lost touch on who we really are, and that's why everybody else around us has lost touch in their own gender, their identity, and everything, because the body of Christ does not know their identity. I'm going to speak it today. We don't know our identity. And then we blame everybody else. And then we even blame it on Satan. And Satan's sitting in, in Afghanistan somewhere going, why are they blaming me? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You got some issues to deal with. And guess what? And guess what? God is ready to deal with it with you. If you're ready to engage in the warfare that's necessary. You see, when the enemy is encamped around Elisha, he sees one thing and the other guy sees another thing. And that's what's going on in the church today. Any two visions is called division. I'm going to speak it here. Two visions is division. It's two different visions going elsewhere. So there's one vision looking at the carnality of things, and then there's another one, spirituality of things. This is why the church cannot hold water, and when people come in and out, because many people come to church trying to fill their own necessary needs and not to engage in Christ. Then on the other spectrum, there's, there, there, there's, there's churches today, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about just churches today that try to fill their own needs, build their own kingdom, and fulfill their own things, and then not engage people into, the, into Christ. And so therefore, we have a bunch of people who don't know what's going on, and you have a bunch of people who can't grow, and then when warfare comes upon them, they don't know what's going on. Then they drop out like flies, because we did not equip them for the strategy of warfare. We did not equip them to be real Christians. And I'm sorry, here in this church, we will not do that. We came here to give you equipment. You'll leave here today decreeing in Jesus' name that all the hosts of heaven are with you. Amen? If one demoniac had 6,000 demons, could you imagine how many angels walk with us? Or is it that, that the demonic realm is more powerful than the angelic realm? We have them beat two to one. So, war has been engaged in the heavenlies. I don't know if you know this already, but war is already engaged. There is a war going on in the heavenlies. If you don't know it, when you signed up, you signed up to be a warrior. Yeah. You signed up to be a warrior. 
We are kings and priests. But guess what? David is the most represent. He represents who we are because he was a king and priest, but he also was a warrior. And the time that he stood back from engaging in warfare was the time where he fell into carnality. And so when he sat back and said, let me just chill at home and just just be a, a regular mediocre Christian, that's when the carnality came in and that's when he fell. Read your Bible. It happened. But then David laid on his face again and said, I will never do that again. I'm going to come back to the presence of the Lord, get back into my identity, be called who I am. And God brought him back up and he still defeated the enemy. Because he was a commander of hosts. He had Navy SEALs, special ops. Yeah, mighty man of war, right? Second Chronicles. Yeah, we got special ops, we got Navy SEALs ready on our behalf. And he was, a, he was able to engage in warfare. A matter of fact, there was one time where they said, don't even pick up, don't even pick up your sword. We got this. It was Goliath's four brothers were coming at David, and David said, okay, man, I'm going to have to kill more giants. No, the minute that he slayed one giant in the spirit, he was able to raise up a host that would slay the rest of the giants for him. There's a time in warfare where you slay a giant. That giant could be anything in your life that's coming up, but then there's a time in warfare where you just engage and you just say, you know what, I'm going to let the host take care of these giants. Jeremiah 47, verse 6 and 7. And I want to phrase another phrase from Graham Cook. Opposition attaches to what you don't remove. Going to repeat that again. Opposition attaches to what you don't remove. The other one I have for you, this is my phrase, is the minute that you're in position, there'll be opposition. The minute that you're in position, there will be opposition. Opposition is the opposite of position. So when you get in position, there'll be opposition because this doesn't want you to be in position. So the minute that you figure out, I am a warrior, I am a king, I am a queen, I am a priest, I'm a warrior princess, whatever you want to call yourself. Want to scream like Zelda? Want to scream like, what, what was that warrior princess lady that used to come out of? Xena! You can do it! The, 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 old, the old retro gamers know what I'm talking about. If you want to jump around, I, I don't care how you engage in warfare. The warfare is on. And if you didn't know it, you're a, you're, you're a commander in God's army, and you're part of this. So Jeremiah 47, 6 and 7. This is what Jeremiah is asking. Oh, you sword of the Lord, how long will you be here and you be quiet? Put yourself up in the sheave or the scabbard. Rest and be still. But then verse 7, I like verse 7. How can it be quiet? 
seeing that the Lord has given it a charge against Ashkelon and against the seashore and against the Philistines, there has he appointed it. He's given it a charge. The sword of the Lord has a charge. How do we look at that in the spiritual realm? Let's go to Revelations chapter 1, verse 16. How do we look at it in the spiritual realm? If you read John in chapter 1, I'm not going to go there, but if you read John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became what? Flesh. It's talking about Jesus. If you read Ephesians 6, that you know that the sword is what? The Word. So if the sword is the word and Jesus is the word, that means that the sword that we have is actually Jesus. That's too deep for some of us. We're going to have to go home, sit on that one, get, get, get the YouTube channel, put it up, and hear it again. Where does it say that in the Bible? Revelation 1.16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword... And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Out of his mouth came a two-edged sword. I even refer to some things Jesus said. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Hebrews, in Hebrews, it says, and this, it says, what? It says, the word is like a two-edged sword. Dividing asunder, What? The soul, carnality, mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit. So the word of God, Jesus, actually stands between the two and says, I'm the cross between the two, and I want Holy Spirit to deal with your soul peace, your mind, will, and emotions, your personality, your issues, and all that stuff, and I want you also to engage in the spirit. So I'm going to stand between those two, and I want you to interlock between those two, and I want your soul to submit to the Spirit of God. But we have a lot of soulish Christians who walk around and say, I'm going to get my fix for today, and allow Holy Spirit to just touch me right now, and then after that, we go back to the soulless realm. And it's a pig's pen. And we need to get out of there and say, you know what? I need to get back to my rightful place, put on my ring of authority, stand up, get the robes, and say, I am a son, I am qualified, I'm a servant, and I'm going to take this anointing, this sword, everywhere I go. And when I have to release and decree the word of the Lord, if I have to get to my job two hours before, an hour before, get in the bathroom and begin to decree that all of the hosts of heaven are here today, my boss will not be screaming at me, people will not be doing this, demonic realm needs to submit to the power of God. God, and I'm going to walk with the authority of God. When people see me, they'll see the sun shining in his strength. I want the sun to shine through me. Revelations 2, 16 and 17. It's funny because... We engage in a lot of stuff as Christians. We go, well, you know, God is punishing us. Oh, God is punishing the wicked. We have a, we have a lot of that. We, you know, th there was a theology at one time where, you know, if something happens, natural disasters, that th there's justice coming upon the wicked of God. 
And I heard that through this, all these hurricanes. People were like, that is because America is in sin. You know, people preaching, it's September 23rd, we were supposed to all die. The only thing that happened in September 23rd was, was what, what, what was spoken about in the book of Revelations. There was a lining up of the stars and the planets that happened. It was not a lining up to destroy the earth. It was an announcement saying that warfare has begun. He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, let him hear. It was only a sign in heaven announcing it's on. What you saw was little battles going on. And what you saw, there was a war going on, but this is, sometimes it was a cold war at some times. And then now there was battles going on, but now we're in full-fledged war. So what is God calling the church to do? Repent! (laughs) People don't like to hear that word. What does repent actually mean? Turn. Turn the other way. Repent. It's funny how Jesus even said that to the disciples. They were following him for about a year and a half in Luke 13. And they looked at Jesus and they said, hey, what happened to these guys in Nazarene? And and they got their blood mixed with all of this stuff that was going on with them worshiping idols. He was like, oh, you think that had something to do with their sin? I tell you, repent. He said, oh, what what happened to the ones in Siloam? The the, the tower fell on them and all of them died. Could that have been judgment? Because they're sinful? And Jesus looked at them and said, oh, you think it's because of their sin? I tell you, repent. Why? Why was he engaging the disciples like that? Because he sent them out two by two to go and preach the gospel. Those people should have never died like that if they would have had the gospel preached to them. It's your responsibility to go out there and save the world. Jesus already did it on the cross. It is our responsibility to preach the gospel and to bring those and evangelize them back into the kingdom, to take them out of the kingdom of darkness into the light. What is the church doing, though? Marketing schemes. Waiting for people to show up. Then when they show up, we tell them, well, you know, everything's going to be all right. And we're not engaged in the gospel. And so Jesus tells the church here, he says, repent, I will come to you quickly. I will fight against them with the sword of my... Now he's talking about a spirit here. If you read that before that, he's talking about Nicolaitan spirit. He said, I will fight against that spirit with the sword of my mouth. But I'm asking you to repent. I'm asking you to repent because if you repent and turn and begin to see things my way, then I come down with the sword of my mouth and you don't have to engage in warfare the way you've been trying to pull down things and do things. But now all you got to do is just command the host of heaven and all you got to do is just decree my word and I'm right there. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit said to the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. Hidden manna. Revelation. Revelation knowledge. Discernment. We've lost discernment. Where are we? 
Who are we? What's going on? We have lost discernment as the body of Christ. What happens now? We have to overcome. Overcome comes from a word of warfare. And I think the biggest enemy we're going to fight is called our mind. The pulling down of the strongholds that are up there that we built for so many years. We built strongholds so certain things of the word doesn't get in. There's certain trigger words that will, that will shut your brain down. Like repent. <laughs> Not me. He better repent. <laughs> we build strongholds in our mind. We build strongholds. What were strongholds? Well, well back in the days, if you look at the, uh, the, the uh, armies of Rome... They would build strongholds. And it was hard for you to get into those strongholds. Okay? They would build them by by the sea so they can see what was coming in and what was going out. And it would build them there. And that's a stronghold you have in your mind. And then you don't allow any of the word, any of the spirit, anything of the manna, the hidden manna of God trying to come in. We're too caught up in the desert. Listen to this. We are warriors. Somebody say, I'm a warrior. Say, I'm a king. I'm a queen. Say, I'm a king right now. I'm a queen. All the women. It was funny yesterday how, how she was saying, have you ever felt this and that? That People raise their hands. She goes, that's the spirit. <laughs> I was like, she set you up. She's about to cast it out of you. <laughs> Prank deliverance. I'm telling you, it's real. It's a real thing. <laughs> and people raise their hands. She's like, that's the spirit. Like, oh. Whoops. <laughs> Joel, chapter 3. I want to wrap this up. Joel 3, verse 10. And you know the book of Joel. It is actually what they quoted when the Holy Spirit empowered them in Acts chapter 2. When tongues of fire came upon them, it shook up the whole place. He quoted the book of Joel. He said this. What did he say? He said, what? Spirit, what? Has fallen upon all flesh. That means Holy Spirit is in the darkest crevices of the earth right now. It is over chaos. It is in the bar around the corner. It is in the deepest, darkest places. We've been praying and praying and praying against um, child pornography, against all of these things, the human trafficking issue. It's a real issue. Real issue. Let, let's, let's, let's go to Mexico next year, people, and let me take you down to Zacatecas so you can see the real issue firsthand. Let me take you to Guatemala, Santa Lucia, 
where you see 12-year-olds being pimped out in the street. Let me take you to real issues. While we sit here as the church and decree that we are powerful, but yet we have no power. While little kids are getting pimped on. And I was surprised the other day while we were praying. The other day I was thinking about it. And then I opened up the news. 124 of those child pornographers were arrested. And they saved 54 children. Do it again, Jesus. Let's send out the host. Against that demonic realm of pornography. It's a stronghold. So in Joel 3, 10 to 14, it says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Okay, plowshares and pruning hooks, they're farming tools. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage in this again. And God has had me on this mandate for three weeks already, saying the same thing over and over again. There was a time where the church is like harvest, 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 harvest. And God is saying, okay, let go of the plowshare, take that plowshare, and turn it into a sword. Let go of the pruning hook and, and stop looking for the harvest, stop looking for this, and take it and turn it into a spear. Assemble yourselves and come, all you heathen, and gather yourselves together round about, thither, cause your mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Who's the mighty ones? The host. Cause your mighty ones to come down, O Lord. The mighty ones are the host. Now when it says heathen there, the word heathen is actually another word, okay? It's another word for the natural or the carnal force that has taken over the mentality of people. Listen to me. It is a carnal force that has taken over the mentality of people. So... But look what it says there. Let the heathen be wakened. So I'm not telling God to destroy all the sinners. Let them die. I'm saying, God, awaken. Open up their eyes. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And there we sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put you in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Listen to this. Listen to this. Could it be that we keep going after harvest, that we keep trying to plant ourselves, and the enemy has it all along? I'm going to say it again. Where is that in the Bible again? In the New Testament. That's the Old Testament. I don't live on the Old Covenant. Praise Jesus, you don't. Let me take you to the New Testament. And I'll reference it so you understand. Read John chapter 4. And I'm not going to say which verse it is because I want you to read the whole chapter. I'm going to engage you in the Bible. Read John chapter 4. Jesus comes along, a woman who has issues. So many issues that she walks up to get water late in the day when nobody else is around. And Jesus encounters this woman. And this woman has a religious spirit on her. Because this woman's talking about worshiping in this mountain and Jacob and Abraham and all of this stuff. So she had to talk. But she did not have the walk. 
So Jesus just lets her go about that. And then Jesus said, he said, there's a time that coming that we should worship the Father in spirit and the truth. And the time is now. And then he goes, tell your husband to come here. Well, sir, I have no husband. He said, hmm, there's a little bit of truth in her. You're right. You got five and none of them are your husband. Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Setback. What did she immediately do? The Bible says she immediately dropped the water and says she ran into the city. She became an evangelist instantly. Meanwhile, the disciples went to McDonald's. (laughs) Can I speak truth here? They were too busy trying to figure out what they were going to eat. This lady ran off and became an evangelist. And Jesus had told him a couple of chapters before, don't go to Samaria. Because he already had it set up for Samaria. And someone who was just a heathen, just someone who didn't know God, who had a religious spirit on her, was just delivered and became an evangelist instantly. That's what I call instant evangelist. It can happen. Today, it can happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen people, they need to be baptized and put into a, and take five classes, four steps to the glory, seven steps to power. <laughs> Three years afterwards, evangelist. When Joel 3, he's, he's telling them, saying, put your sickle to the harvest. There's multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. But what, what does Jesus do? The lady goes into Samaria and begins to tell people, come, this is the one we've been waiting for. It looks like there was already a prophetic word in their religion that was saying that a prophet was going to show up and he was going to be the Messiah. So she went off of that and said, this is the one we've been looking for. This is the one we've been waiting for. And everybody said, we got to see this. If she says it, we don't have to believe her. We got to go see it. Meanwhile, the Christians, the disciples, Jesus, you ain't going to eat no hamburgers? We bought a Big Mac here. Everything is just ready to go. And Jesus said, I have meat that you know not of. Because my meat is when my church is activated to do what I call them to do. Listen to this. I have meat that you know not of. And every time that you do what you're called to do, my, I get filled in my presence. Every time you go out and do it. And then he says, he says, listen, you say that the harvest is coming in three months. Now he was talking in the natural. Because during that time, it was about to be the harvest season. So all of the farmers, if you notice, Jesus did a lot of parables about farming because he was dealing with a lot of farmers and fishermen. And so he said, you say that the harvest is coming in three months. I tell you that the harvest is now. What is he talking about? And then they said, they lifted up their eyes. And all of a sudden, they saw the multitudes of Samaritans coming towards Jesus What Jesus was talking about, the harvest that was coming towards them was just activated through a woman 
a woman who was probably judged by every church in the area. So I believe that the last day awakening is probably not going to come from church folk. Ouch. There's a parable that supports my, my, my word there. When Jesus said, I, and, and he said, one invited all of the bigwigs to the wedding. And they all turned down the invitation. Then Jesus said, go out. They, what, the, what did the, 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 the person say to the servant? He said, go out to the highways and byways, dress them with the best robes and have them come. So guess what? There's no junk in heaven. God went and got the worst of the worst, and he brought them in so they can awaken the church. We, it is the church's responsibility to ask God to open up the blind eyes and then to blind the enemy. If you keep reading where we started off in 2 Kings, you see he blinded the enemy. They could not see what was going on. Jesus blinded the enemy with this woman because the devil would never, ever think that he would use that woman. The devil was in Samaria waiting for the disciples to show up. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jesus blindsided him and throws a woman who was immoral but yet had an encounter with him. And so when the devil saw her, he said, ah, don't mess with her. And she went around and said, come, there's a man. He said, hold on, hold on. Something's happening here. What? Now the enemy knows that we're getting the harvest back that belongs to God. Even the name of this church should be an awakening for you. Harvest renewal. This is a time of renewal of the harvest. It is no longer us planting and plowing. It is us now with a sword commanding the host of heaven and bringing out the people from out there so they can begin to see the presence of God and open up their eyes to see their identity and see who Christ is. Let's stand to our feet. Can we get uh, some of the worship team up here, please? Oh, there he is. This guy, man. Jehovah Sneaky. He's part of that clan. The strategy of warfare in these days, nowadays, Is for you to proclaim the word of God. Proclaim, 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 proclaim it with your life, proclaim it with your mouth, proclaim it everywhere you go. Be the church. We're supposed to have the answers. Do we have the answers to everybody's problems? Maybe not. But I know the one who does. And as long as I know the one who does, I can invite them to meet him. So I, I was just thinking about the, the very mission statement of our church. 
Is it encounter, engage, equip, or equip, engage? Sorry. Either way you look at it. You encounter Christ, you get equipped, then you engage. It is time we start living up to that mission statement. Who did you come to encounter here today? Was it the worship team? Was it one of us pastors? Who did you come to encounter today? You see, if you came to encounter Christ, see, when we're Christ-centered, you can see a, a thousand mistakes can happen around you and you won't even notice it. Because you're so focused on what God is going to do that you can care less on what man is doing. Amen? When, when you do that, you don't come to church or, or come to a Sunday service to fellowship. By the way, this is fellowship. This is a time of getting to know each other and a time of, of corporate worship and being the body as a living organism. And when we ourselves can't even fellowship with each other, can't even get to know each other and all that stuff, something's wrong. When we're just engaged in our own stuff, yeah, God bless you. Yes, bye. See ya. We, we just have to begin to understand who we are. The minute that we can do that, then God will use us. Do you know how, how the corporate body works? Whatever I can't do, He can do. Whatever He can't do, He can do. And then God just has, and He builds on our weaknesses and puts strengths in our weaknesses. That is the body of Christ. So when I don't engage with somebody who could be a powerful person, I could be missing an opportunity to strengthen my weakness. Oh my God. I'm going to stop right there. Let us engage. Listen. And this is why I'm totally... I'm, I'm, I told Pastor already, I'm really going to start being myself and preaching. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it all out. I'm going to drop off everything. He saw me in Mexico. He could tell you I'm a wild man. I'll run through this church if you let me. I'll run through this church. I'll jump on the chairs and start, I'll start casting out devils. I... Holy Spirit there's a time and a place and sometimes in, a, in, 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 in certain seasons in certain places I feel seasons of change and shift there's a shift that happened in this church and some people are walking in here going what's going on I feel something weird There's a shift that just happened. And if you're part of this body, it just happened to you and your house. I don't care where you were. Just shift it. We're going to start getting real. We're going to be real Christians. Little Christ, that's what Christian means. We're going we're, we're to start engaging. We're going to start really realizing what's going on. And start calling things for what it is. You don't have to get all belligerent about it. Jehovah sneaky. Sneak up on the devil. 
That is the power we have. Listen, I really want us to corporately today, corporately. When I say corporately, I want us all corporately to engage. We all have encountered Christ. How many here have encountered Christ? If you haven't encountered Christ, today I'm going to make an altar call and you can encounter Christ. That's just repenting, turning away from your old man and walking into your new identity, who you really are. If you encounter Christ, you've been equipped, and now it's time to engage. Are you ready this morning or this afternoon? Amen. So I know everybody wants to run off to McDonald's after I preach that McDonald's message. But can we give a couple of minutes to just engaging? Can, can we just honor that? Can we just give a couple of minutes in engaging? Because I just felt a whole mess of heavenly host up in here. I just felt it. I felt some behind me. I felt some around. I felt some just standing in this place. Just standing around. And you know what? They're, they're like this. You remember Joshua? He ran into one. You remember that? The book of Joshua? Read your Bible. Read Joshua. It's an awesome book. Hey, Joshua. He, he runs into one. The guy had a flaming sword. And Joshua still pulls out his sword. Dude, there's a flaming sword right there. You're pulling out your little sword? He was amped, man. He's like, yeah, let's go. Get it on. Who are you? And the Bible, if you read your Bible, the Bible says he looked up to him. That means he was bigger than him, too. He's a short guy. He's like, hey, here. yeah, who are you? Why was he so confident? Because he was standing on a word. He was equipped, and he was going to engage with whatever was coming towards him. And, and the, the angel looked at him and said, hold on, man, dude, wait. We're with you. We're sitting here having lunch waiting for you guys to get out of the desert waiting for the commandment of the Lord what do you want us to do say it we'll do it so they're like this just waiting just waiting I, I always say the angels ascending and descending that means there's angels here right now and they change shifts it's time to punch out let's ascend you descend, you take over. By the way, that Christian is very boring. You're going to be sitting around for a while. Bring your popcorn with you. No. They're prepared to engage. So I want us today, as a corporate body, to lift up our voices and engage, 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 engage. There's a spirit of chaos all over this nation. There's a spirit of confusion all over this nation. There's principalities over the regions, strongholds in people's minds. There's people who are blinded. There's scales on their eyes. There's serpents, the python spirit, Leviathan, all of that. Leviathan, like we learned, we do not fight against. We let God fight against him. 
but we get filled with the fire. We, get, we encounter the fire of God. We shine through and we release and decree the word. The heavenly host go out and the sword of God's mouth will pierce Leviathan's skin. That's how it goes. But he's waiting for the body to engage. He's saying, go ahead, release right now. I want us to release right now. War cries. I want us to release right now. Whatever it is in your spirit you want to release, release the angelic hosts. Release the angelic hosts right now. We release angelic hosts over your finances, over your life. We release angelic hosts to go to war for you. We release angelic hosts to go to war for your family. We go to war in Jesus' name. The blindness must come off. Scales are falling. If you want to come up front to the to the front of the pulpit, we can come up front. Whatever, whatever way you want to engage, I'm going to call some to come up front to come to the front line. It's going to be like a prophetic act to come to the front line because in the front line you will command the armies of the Lord. And God said, "Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord." But we have to release. We have to release the word of God. We have to release the angels. We have to release the war cry. We have to let the enemy know. We're aware. We have to let the enemy know that we're standing ground. Hey. We trust you, Lord of hosts. You put a sword in my hand. Oh, we trust you, Lord of hosts. You are enthroned in our land. Trust you, Lord of hosts. You put a sword in our hand. Oh, we trust you, Lord of hosts. You are enthroned in our land. Oh, come in your fire. Send down your power. You're faithful forever, God. Oh, send down your fire. Come in your power. You're faithful forever, God. Oh, we trust you, Lord of hosts. You put us Come on, come on, come on, come on. Raise up. 
Thank you, Father. The sword of your mouth has been released over this region. Any regional territory which your people call by your name is going to go into today. You have released the sword of your mouth. You have released your angelic host. We thank you, Lord, for your power and your presence. We leave here today engaged in knowing that we encountered you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Give them another war cry. that you're in his presence all the time.